CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, we're back. Did you miss us? Of course you did. We missed you. The guys here getting ready for a big show. While they're doing that, here's what's coming up. The countdown is on to Apple earnings. And with the stock still down more than 10% off its highs, Dan Nathan has a way for you to play it into the results. Plus, soup and cereal stocks are on fire. But has the group gotten too hot? The Chartmaster is going to break it all down for you. And later, Yeti shares have been indestructible to the bears. But after more than doubling since its IPO, Mike Coe says the stock could be about to cool off. He'll lay out the trade. It's time to risk less and make more. The action begins now. And let's get right to it because we just wrapped up the busiest week for earnings and half of Dan Nathan's $4 trillion MAGA trade reported. That's Microsoft, Apple, Alphabet, Amazon for those who haven't been following along. Let's see where we stand right now. Microsoft up 4% to a new all-time high, crossing $1 trillion in market cap. Meantime, Amazon jumped around 2% off its report. We're awaiting Alphabet earnings on Monday and Apple on Tuesday. The options market's implying a roughly 4% move in either direction for those stocks. And Dan has got a way to play one of them into the results. So let's get in the money. You're looking at Apple. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important, those four names, obviously, because they're nearly $4 trillion in market cap. And I think it's actually a pretty positive thing that Microsoft was able to kind of to put up the numbers that they did, react the way it did. I thought Amazon, given the guidance that they gave, acting the way it did, pretty decent too. So next week, as you think about Apple, I think it's a pretty special situation. You know, we started this year off January 2nd with this negative pre-announcement from Apple. We have not seen a, an announcement like that in more than 10 years. The stock has literally gone up 45% and nearly a perfect 45 degree angle since that. It's up 30% on the year. I think some of the stuff that we heard out of Texas Instruments, Intel, and Xilinx this week alone in their guidance should give you pause as far as Apple's um, rally year to date at this point and why it could consolidate. I think that there's a scenario where if it's just good enough, the stock doesn't rally. But if it's bad and a guy down, the stock could go down materially. So to me, the way I think about this is like, it's up 30% year to date. There's obviously a lot of questions about new products that are as we head into the summer and into the fall. I think it makes sense to collar your stock if you're long, if you think that there's a potential for an extreme move to the downside. And that extreme movement to the downside worries you more than extreme movement to the upside. So a collar is a position against a long stock where you would sell an out of the money call and you would use the proceeds to buy an out of the money put in the same expiration. You're creating a scenario where you can participate to the upside with your long stock. You have lost to the downside to that put strike, but you're protected below that. So I would look out to May expiration. It's just a couple weeks from now. When the stock was trading at 204 today versus 100 shares of Apple, you could sell the May 212.50 call at $2.15, and you could use the proceeds to buy the May 192.50 put, paying $2.15. You have a collar that costs you nothing. You have gains up to 212 and a half. That is basically in line with the implied movement next week after earnings. And then you have risk to the downside down to 192 and a half, but you're protected below that. This is a trade that makes sense if you do not want to sell your stock, but you're more worried about downside than you are about extreme upside. 
Yeah, I think the important thing to remember about a trade like this is it's not that it's bearish. What it really is is only modestly bullish and basically cognizant of a potential downside move. We've had a stock that has really moved very sharply off of those lows right around 140 or so. The valuation, you might say to yourself, oh, it's not that high 16 times earnings. For Apple, that actually is pretty high, right? Because this is not a company that we're ex expecting to see explosive growth, quite the opposite. So I think this is a trade that makes a great deal of sense. Another way to think about this, if you have no trade at all in Apple, this is essentially like trading an in-the-money call spread going into it, trying to make sure that you're not paying the elevated decay that you usually get with options going into an event like earnings, but still being able to take a modestly bullish bet. I think a trade like this makes a lot of sense if you hold the shares. I mean, obviously, so much depends on how it reacts to its number. What we've had, of course, of the really big names is you've had two outsized moves, Microsoft and Facebook, and two muted moves. Right, Amazon was quite muted, frankly, and so was Netflix. Uh, Apple is the one, in many ways, obviously, that's most interesting because it's it's the lowest beta in many ways, and it's the furthest from its high. Right, it's still 12.5% off its high, and exactly as Dan said, it is an uninterrupted, perfect 45 degree angle, almost unnatural in that sense. And I think there's more downside risk. Uh, then there is upside potential. Apple doesn't have the kind of fundamental propellant embedded in it that Microsoft did. Microsoft basically surprised us with ba basically better acquisitions in the cloud space than we might have expected. It looks like they're doing very well in that. That's still a growth business for them. It's a growth business also for Amazon and other people in the sector. But is, does Apple really occupy a growth space? I don't think they do. And for that reason, I think that their risk, if there is one, is more to the downside than a big surprise to the upside. Yeah, I just make one point <clears throat> on a fundamental point. You know, over the last six years or so, the company's um, business has actually become fairly predictable. You know, the stock has had three 30-plus peak-to-trough declines. One was in 2012 and 13. One was in 2015 to 16. It took about almost a year to get to the trough, but it took two years to make new highs. When you look at that chart right there and you look at how sharply that stock fell and how quickly it's reversed, I think the likelihood of new highs anytime soon is a long, long ways off. So I actually think there's a chance this thing backs and fills a little bit over the next few months. Carter, just quickly, do you also agree with that? The chance of the stock making all-time highs are far off? I mean, that's remote. 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 From cell phones to cereal, consumer staple sector hitting a fresh 52-week high today and now up more than 12% this year. The party in the pantry, led by names like Cody, Tyson, Constellation Brands, and General Mills, all up double digits in 2019. But the chart master says there's danger lurking in the safety trade. So, Carter, head over to the plasma. Break it down for us. Sure. Uh, danger in the sense that it's there's nothing wrong, but it's a little hot, a little too good for a fairly uh, low beta and um, defensive area of the market. Staples as a sector, there are three stocks that make up uh, the chunk of it. You've got Procter & Gamble, Coke, and Pepsi. Um, there are a lot of uh, bigger stocks in here, and think about Walmart, in fact. Walmart would be the biggest by far, but because of the family's control of the float, it doesn't uh, come up as the top three. In any event, what we know is that the chart is a fairly well-defined double top. Whether you draw it as a line like this, or whether you actually draw the double top like this, the issue is, are we going to break out? Just as the S&P is right at its former high, more often than not, before you can exceed a high, you contend with a high. And there are two ways you contend with it. You contend with it by backing and filling or by backing away. Either is normal. But the third prospect just typically busting through quickly, uh, very unlikely. In any event, um, now, this is the, really the issue. Here's that move we just looked at. Here's your double top. And all of this greatness 
is in fact this, an alpha killer. Meaning, picks made here have cost you in the sense that you could have, one could have found other things to buy. That poor relative strength is the issue, and I don't see anything fixing that anytime soon. In fact, if you were to go back to 09, you would expect these things to underperform. But what we have here, right, in stables, is that this is a declining series of highs, and I think that divergence with the market ultimately a problem. After having heard from Hershey, good number. Kimberly, good number. Proctor, really good number, went down on its number because so much is priced in. All right, so Mike, what are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I think the the point here also is that I mean, we're looking at a space that's trading at, at pretty high and lofty valuations right, right now. The average analyst price target for all of the constituent stocks of the Staples Index is about 4% higher than it's currently trading. That's not a whole lot of upside. That's just a street view. Here's another thing to think about. Over a third of those stocks, the average price target for those analysts is actually lower than where those stocks are currently trading. This isn't a high growth sector. And right now, if you take a look, you could look at price to earnings, we could look at enterprise value to EBITDA, we could just look at price to sales, and I think that's kind of an interesting one because right now, as a group, it's trading at a 10-year high in terms of valuation. But while the price in terms of valuation is high, the price of options is still relatively low. I was looking at the three-month implied volatility, so that's just a rolling number that basically is a reflection of how expensive options prices are. They're not at their all time lows for the 10 years, but they're not far off of them. So I kind of think in this situation where there's probably limited upside, there's a lot of things that could cause it to roll over. I think you just keep the trade simple. I was looking out to June, the 56 strike put, just 75 cents for that. I would have actually gone out slightly longer, maybe July or August. I was trying to look for something in the 60, 90 day time frame. They don't actually have that expiration here. This is a trade you can sort of try to be nimble with, though. If it does roll over, it runs through that strike. You can look to roll down and out. And I think that's just a very simple way to make, and an inexpensive way to make a bearish You know, sometimes simple is just the right way. A lot of times we come in here, we try to outsmart ourselves. We take your charts. We take our fundamental views. We come up with a really complicated trade. <clears throat> when I look at this trade, Mike basically has a little more than a month and a half. He's risking 1.5% of the stock price that lines up at a level where if it does get rejected, I mean, when you think about how expensive these underlying names are in this group, how sensitive they are to the dollar that apparently is breaking out right now, I could see a lot of scenarios where investors would dump staples in the next five to six weeks. And I think this is a really good way to play it from a risk reward standpoint. And you've got the earnings risk out of the way, right? I mean, so many have already popped on their number and all of that expenditure of energy simply returned it to its former high. What is it that would compel it from here when We've already heard from Procter and right. Coke and Pepsi and so forth. Is there any validity, though, if you believe that the markets are, are going to have some sort of a downturn or that, the, that's, that growth is in jeopardy somehow around the world, that maybe these companies are better off because they have pricing power, which we saw in the earnings reports, that they were able to raise price. And for them, that gives them a cushion of margin that maybe other companies and other sectors may not have. No, I think that's a legitimate idea. And I think that's also why they're trading where they are. I mean, when we take a look at the valuation, we're trying to understand why are they trading at 10-year highs. I think you just provided the answer. So from my perspective, and here's the thing, I mean, low beta stocks, they are not going to go down as much as the high beta names will if the market rolls over. But that doesn't make them immune to a decline. It just means we're looking at a possibly milder decline. That's going to be priced into the options as well, which is one of the reasons why I don't think that's really, I mean, a big, big issue or consideration here. All right. For everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Some even say it's a hotter ticket than the Avengers movie. Here's what's coming up next. The IPO party is raging. 
But Mike Coe says there's one hot name that's about to be a bit of a buzzkill when it reports earnings. He'll break down the trade. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. The unicorn tech stampede is running rampant on Wall Street. Uber is setting a price range of $44 to $50 a share for its IPO, giving the company a valuation as high as almost $90 billion. Meantime, Slack, the office messaging app, just filed to go public through a direct listing on the NYSE with a valuation of $17 billion. All of this comes as some of the recent IPOs have taken flight. Zoom Video, Pinterest, and Levi's posting some big gains. Lyft is still getting used to its wings, falling about 21% since going public. So how should you play this hot space? Mike is over at the Plasma looking at one stock that's more than doubled since its debut last fall. That would be Yeti. Mike, take it away. Yeah, so I think any Austinite or former Austinite is going to be a big fan of Yeti and their products. I mean, this is a phenomenal product of stuff that they're making. The thing is, this is a stock that has really taken off, as we can see here. Obviously, some IPOs have been pretty disappointing. So going into earnings, right now, the options market is implying a move of about 15% in either direction. Given how far it's moved and the fact that it basically has been progressing straight up at a 45-degree angle here, I think there's some chance that the earnings here might result in a somewhat modest move. Certainly to the upside, I think there might be some limitations. So we're going to take a look at trading a call calendar here. Because we've had this big rally into earnings, because we have this high implied vol move right here, both the stock and the options are expensive. So let's take a look at the trade. Specifically, what I was looking at was the May 3rd weekly, so these are the ones that expire in one week, 35 strike calls, selling those for $2.40, and then buying the August 35 calls against it for $5.20. Net-net, you're going to spend $2.80. Now, this graph basically does demonstrate that if you held this entire position, let these first ones expire, just hung on to the August 35 calls, at expiration it would need to be above 37.80 for it to be profitable. However, in the meantime, if they announce earnings and the stock lingers you know, within a range of you know, down 15% to up 15%, you're probably going to break even. And if it stays right here, you're actually going to see some profits. Why is that? Because those near-dated, very elevated calls right here are going to expire close to worthless. And you're still going to own that August 35 call. I think the stock is expensive. I wouldn't be inclined to go out and buy it right here. Although, I, like I said before, I really like the products. So I think this is one way that you can take advantage of the fact that those options are quite expensive. It is hard, especially going into catalysts and with these IPOs, which don't have as much of a history, um, you know, to put on options trades directionally just by going and buying outrights the way we did in the consumer staples, for example. 
All right, so Dan, what do you think of Mike's trade? Yeah, so I, I like it. You know, we were talking about simple before, and then we talk about threading the needle. I think this is a really interesting situation because there's not too many stocks that we talk about that have 90% uh, implied volatility. So he's got this opportunity to sell some very near-dated options to help finance the purchase of some longer-dated ones, and I think that makes a lot of sense, and, the, and the, the risks are defined here. So this is a very unique situation that I think we're going to have more and more of these as we start talking more about pins and lift and all mm -hmm. these sorts of things. There are going to be some interesting options trading opportunities around all these IPOs. At what point, Carter, can you actually use the charts? For well, that's right. I mean, if, if, if pattern interpretation is looking at current price juxtaposed against past price in order to come to a judgment whether you're about to clear former supply, you're about to uh, recover from a substantial downtrend. If you don't have a lot of price to study, there's not much to uh, come to a judgment. That being said, this did sell off in the December low, right. right, it IPO just before December, and it is ricocheted with the market just on beta. It's 12 to 36. It's a triple off the low. And it feels a bit stretched, a bit complacent. So this is a perfect thing if one is just long only. You know, you trim or take some other measures. That would be my thinking. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, we, we compare different IPOs. Sometimes we get a little bit concerned, will these companies ever reach profitability? I don't think Yeti faces that problem. I think we all understand, essentially, it's a pretty simple business model. They make a good product. They make an expensive product, but one that people want to buy. The real question is whether they could say something during earnings, which is going to propel it to sharply to new new highs from here. I think that's less likely than seeing it basically trade sideways or even a little bit lower. All right, coming up, industrial giant 3M getting crushed off its earnings report this week. But if you lost money on the trade, we'll tell you how to make some of it back. Plus, have a question for the traders or maybe you just want to tell us how much you love us. Either way, you can send us a tweet. And if you're lucky, we'll read it later on in the show. We're live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Don't go anywhere. More options action right after this. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take a look back at a couple of our open trades. A few weeks back, Mike and Carter said 3M could be primed for a breakout. What you have in many ways is a double bottom of sorts, but you also have this well-defined inflection. Turns and now turning again. And so the bet is that this is on its way to meaningfully higher prices. You could buy the June 210 calls, spend $6.50, so a little over 3% of the current stock price to make a bullish bet that will, of course, capture earnings and a decent amount beyond. Well, 3M shares tanked off its earnings this week after warning of a slowdown in China. Mike, how do you manage a trade like yeah, this? This is a really important one, and actually we, we probably should have sent out a tweet about this, so do follow us on Twitter, although we didn't in this particular case. Here's a situation where the stock actually did exactly what Carter suggested almost immediately. Those calls actually were up about 100%, and then it was going into earnings. Those had actually become in-the-money calls. Shorter-dated calls decay more quickly. In-the-money calls behave more like stock than they do like an option. So this is a situation where you're going into a catalyst, you want to think about rolling those calls. It's too late in this instance, but this is just basically guidance for the going forward. Here's something else. For those of you who look at Delta, and some people do, if something gets to 70 Delta, it's probably time to adjust. That means it's in the money, so that would be a good time to think about rolling out or up and out or simply taking profits. I mean, that's right. It was good, and then it wasn't, and when it wasn't, it was really bad. In fact, 
and you might have seen this, this was the single worst day for 3M since uh, Black Monday, 1987, yeah. right? That day, it actually dropped 26%. Uh, the drop here this past week was 13, but still, this is a, a world-class beating. And can so, I just say, the most yeah. important thing, though, what Mike just said is, these guys put this trade on on March 29th, and the earnings were this week, okay? So weeks Mike. ahead of time. So yeah. now you have a 70 delta option. Into, you have to reevaluate the whole trade. I mean, that, that's it. Into it. What does the risk-reward look like? It looks like very different than it did on March 29th, and you already have these gains, and that's why I think you always have to revise your view into an event like this and roll up and out, like Mike just suggested. All right. Next up, last month, Dan <coughs> predicted that energy could be primed for a pullback. We may get a trade deal. We may get some stimulus stuff. Oil may pop. But to me, I think there's some technical damage done, and I'm not so sure the global economy is going to turn on the dime. Last point, dollar almost traded at a new 52-week high. The the strong dollar and crude oil, not so good together. So to me, I think you look out to June expiration. You look at the XLE. You can buy the XLE June 63.56 put spread. Crude fell 4% today, taking energy stocks along with it. So, Dan, what do you do? Well, it's funny. You know, I was pretty fired up there. Um, I was dead wrong. I nailed the low in early March of that trade. I think the XLE was at 63.75. It went up 10% over the next uh, four or five weeks. I think, listen, at this point, that thesis that I just laid out, I think might be playing out now. I was just a bit early. That trade that cost $2 is now worth about 80 This is a situation where I think you're in the wrong trade, but if you agree with the thesis, then you want to take that premium and you want to roll it out. I think you may get some follow through on Monday and you may get better prices mm -hmm. to take this thing off. But I see this going lower into the summer. I mean, I think that's right. The tell here, of course, is crude went higher and higher and higher. The energy stocks were just not performing. Yes, they're being integrated. It's Exxon, which actually did very poorly on its number in Chevron. But the key names like Schlumberger and Halliburton, where there's sort of risk embracing nature within the sector, never coming to life. And then with crude coming off now, 66 to almost 63 or a little below. What's the thesis for being long? God, as a Halliburton shareholder, don't I know it. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with these guys. It, it hasn't seen anything good coming out of it, and I don't expect it anytime soon. All right, up next, your tweets and the final call. Time now for the final call. Carter Braxton Worth. Consumer staples have come a long way, and the biggest of all put up great numbers, as did many of them, and did not go higher. Sell. Mike Coe. You know, looking at the staples overall as a group, they're pretty expensive. The options are very inexpensive. I don't see a lot of upside, but there is potential downside. June 56 puts for 75 cents. Dan Nathan. Yeah, so Apple reports Tuesday night. We said the implied move is about four and a half. Interestingly enough, over the last four quarters, it's moved actually 6%. That doesn't include its 10% drawdown on that negative pre-announcement. So to me, I think you want protection. All right, that does it for us. See you back here next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Don't go anywhere, though. Mad Money starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.